Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Have you ever considered that this is sort of an odd question? Have you ever asked why would someone ask such a thing? Now certainly it has a sort of academic curiosity, but I don't see where it's much practical benefit to anyone to know which commandment outranks all the others. To think that if someone was struggling to keep the commandments, they could focus their energies all on the most important one and forget about the lesser ones seems to get things a little backwards. To think that way would be like saying I could go to the judge and expect my parking ticket to be forgiven because I haven't committed any murder or high treason. It just doesn't work that way. Keeping the greater commandments doesn't excuse you from the lesser commandments. Unless, of course, the greater commandment is of a kind that entails and includes all of the other commandments. It would be like parking violations all indisputably being acts of high treason, then my argument might work. But of course, they're not. And the law that Jesus is being quizzed about works in much the same way. There's no one specific commandment that outranks all the others. Now when the lawyer asks this question, he may be thinking Jesus will say something like Sabbath keeping, for instance. That was very important to them. But even the lawyer will know that if I go around killing and stealing and committing adultery six days a week, that no amount of Sabbath keeping is going to make me righteous before the law. But Jesus doesn't say Sabbath keeping or any other specific law. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love. First, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And those two commandments are of the kind that scoop up all the other commandments within them. They subsume the commandments into themselves so that to keep the commandments is to love and to break the commandments is to fail to love. And so Jesus points, paints a picture, a beautiful picture of a world where all is love, where every thought and word and deed is based on love and born of love, is carried out and completed in love, is reflected upon and remembered through love. And in a world like that, or in an aspiration toward a world like that, there is a greatest commandment. Not because there's a hierarchy of the laws, but because in such a world only the commandment to love is necessary. Every other law either becomes an example or an explanation of love, or it's obsolete. Now it is a beautiful picture, but it's also despairingly distant from the world as we experience it and from our own ability as we know it. We might indeed, if we tried really hard, manage to keep the Sabbath. 
we might manage to avoid killing and stealing and committing adultery. We might even manage to avoid betraying our country. And maybe we might even manage never parking next to a yellow curb. But to do all of those things, while and because we love God and our neighbor perfectly, well, that's the catch. That's where we fail. Our love is too little and too weak. And without it, we very quickly find all sorts of handy justifications for breaking commandments of all sorts, for leaving the world just as broken and often ugly as we have found it. But does Paul not tell us today that we have been entrusted with the good news of that better world that Jesus describes? That that world built on perfect love is indeed the world that God is creating and restoring and renewing. When we bring that good news, however, if we communicate it by saying, all will be well if only you loved better, we don't really bring good news. We indeed bring bad news. Work more, try harder, do better, be enough, love perfectly. Those are all bad news. Because they all in the end tell us that the brokenness of the world is ultimately our fault and that fixing it is ultimately left up to us. It is indeed terrible news because we all know or will soon find out that we just don't have enough love to muster up, even to form a basis for perfectly keeping the parking regulations, let alone for mending the whole world. But the church has often failed to admit that. Because the thing is, if we think that by loving better or whatever, we might be able to mend the whole world, or at least earn passage into a better world, then we might be more inclined to stay in line, to try hard to be on our best behavior, to keep every commandment we're told to keep, or at least, and more likely, to always give our best impression that we are keeping all the commandments that we are told to keep. And recognizing that that understanding gives it and its leaders a lot of power, the church has often proclaimed that bad news and called it the gospel. But we must face the fact that such an appeal is, as St. Paul says, sprung from deceit and impure motives, from trickery, that it's made of words of flattery and pretexts greedy for power. We must instead turn and embrace the true gospel. And the truth of the gospel is this, that it's not a commandment at all, not even the greatest commandment. The gospel 
is a promise. A promise that comes from God and through us as gently as a nurse caring for her own children, but also so powerfully that no suffering or shame can oppose it. The gospel is a promise that, oddly enough, can be stated without changing one word of the greatest commandments, but only by shifting the emphasis. For yes, today, that perfect love still lays outside our grasp. And along with it, the world restored and renewed by that perfect love. But the gospel comes to each and every one of us and says, no matter what happens to you, no matter what you do, there comes a day when in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you shall lay hold on that perfect love and you shall live perfectly by it, you and all the whole world. And on that day and into eternity, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And likewise, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And by that love, all will be made well. And even now, despite all appearances, by that love, all is being made well so that all manner of things will ultimately be only and always well. So that on those two promises of perfect love, we may ensure and certain hope hang anything and everything, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.